Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. Well, good morning, good-looking people. It's good to see you all again today. Did anybody else think that that little introduction sounded like Game of Thrones? Did anybody have that thought? I thought so. Well, it's probably quite appropriate <laughs> given, the, <laughs> given the theme. Hey, good to see you today. It is a wonderful Sunday to be together in this Advent season. And, uh, of course, this is the most wonderful time of the year, uh, partly because it's summer and it's school holidays and it's good to be alive. And I hope that you are traveling well. And if for whatever reason, as PD said, this is a challenging time of the year for you or if you're experiencing any kind of complexity or hardship or difficulty in navigating the season, please know that we are thinking of you and we are praying for you and we're believing that you will experience the peace and the joy that this season is all about. So know that our thoughts and prayers are with you. Now, obviously in just a few days, literally a week from now, we're gonna be celebrating Christmas together. And as always, in the lead up to Christmas, in this little pre-Christmas period, uh, so much time and energy goes into thinking about and searching for that perfect gift, that ideal something for the people in your life that you love, maybe a family member or friends or work colleagues or whatever the case may be. And I know for some of you, that search is going to begin first thing Thursday morning. And uh, for the others of you, that search has been on for a while and you have already been thinking about what it is you're going to buy for the people you love. And, and I know that sometimes it can be quite frustrating when you can't find that perfect gift for the significant others in your life, maybe because they already have everything they want and everything they need. But when you do find the perfect gift, man, it's an awesome feeling. Um, I remember not too long ago, I had to buy a gift for a particular someone in my life. And uh, this guy had a really profound, deep love for the Lord of the Rings and for collecting maps. This was just part of his <laughs> passion in life, was uh, the Lord of the Rings kind of trilogy and then the, uh, the, the art of collecting maps. And so I went online to see what I could find and I discovered one of these. Uh, this is a chess set that is constructed in the theme of Lord of the Rings where all the pieces on the board are characters from out of the movie series. And when you flip it over on the other side under this kind of plexiglass cover, there's a sculptured three-dimensional relief map of Middle Earth. I mean, are you kidding me? How awesome is that? That is like the perfect gift for this guy. I cannot tell you how excited I was when I found that gift, which kind of makes me wonder which is actually more enjoyable, finding the perfect gift or receiving the perfect gift. And I think it's probably the former. That certainly was the case for me in this instance. But this practice of like gift giving over the Christmas period has and always will be an important part of our celebration, and rightly so, because if Christmas is about anything, it's about a gift, and it's arguably about the greatest gift ever given, and what that gift means, and what receiving that gift does for us and for the world. And so today I want to share some thoughts with you from out of the Christmas story uh, about the search for the perfect gift, the search for the perfect gift. Now, as many of you would be well aware, the Christmas story, the very first kind of original birth narrative recorded for us in the Gospels, uh, comes with a, an array of different characters. There are, of course, Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph. Uh, we also have uh, evil King Herod, the Jewish ruler, whose insecurity and whose fear uh, drives him to try and eliminate Jesus in a rather ruthless and brutal way. 
Uh, we have the shepherds who receive the announcement of the birth of Jesus, and we have the angels who deliver the announcement to the shepherds. And, and then we have this group of intriguing and mysterious travelers who come from a distant eastern land, guided by a star in the heavens to find this king of the Jews. And of course, you know them as the three wise men. They're more uh, accurately referred to as the Magi in Scripture. And in just about every Christmas production and play you've ever seen or every Christmas card you've ever received or any nativity scene you've ever um, behold, there, there is the, the three wise men. Now, uh, it's probably worth knowing, some of you would be familiar with this, that whenever you see a nativity scene constructed, or presented in a Christmas production or on a card that you receive at Christmas, there's a fair amount of artistic license being employed there. And uh, although the uh, presentation of these wise men is often as three, that's largely only because of the number of gifts that they bring, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The Bible doesn't actually say that there were three wise men. In fact, the Bible doesn't actually say that there were men. There could have been women in their company as well. Uh, although somebody did rightly point out that if there were three wise women, they would not have had to ask for directions to Jesus. They would have arrived on time, and they would have brought practical gifts, right? Like nappies and blankets and maybe food for the parents, which is probably true. So we'll stick with men. But not only were there likely more than three, there could have been as many as a dozen or even 30 or 40 in this traveling party. When the Magi arrive on the scene, it's about 18 to 24 months after Jesus has been born. So I know whenever you see a nativity presented um, in, in art or in production, usually the three wise men are presented as kind of next to the manger, kind of watching over little baby Jesus with their three gifts. But that is really just a bit of creative license being employed for the sake of uh, efficiency in the storytelling. Uh, it's far more um, likely that when they arrived, Jesus was much older. In fact, if you read the gospel account closely, it says that by the time they arrived, Jesus is a small child, not a baby. Uh, he's in a house, not in a, an animal shelter. He is um, uh, living in Jerusalem, not in Bethlehem. And of course, we know from Herod's calculation when he issues the decree to try and eliminate Jesus by ordering the death of all the babies under the age of two, that he determines that calculation based on the visit of the Magi. So all of that just simply to say that by the time they arrive, Jesus is probably about two years of age and uh, he's not in the manger anymore. So that's just a kind of more accurate kind of historical description of how the scene plays out. Nevertheless, there are so many things about this part of the story that I love so much. And the first is that I love in this scene, we have this image, this picture of this humble, lowly, poor Jewish family and this group of uh, Gentile, Arab, pagan astronomers and philosophers, these men who were undoubtedly uh, wealthy and educated and numbered among the social elite. And these two groups are brought together around the person of Jesus. And I think that is just such a beautifully um, kind of constructed picture of the hope that we have in Jesus and what Jesus is able to do. Jesus, who is announced to us as the Prince of Peace and how the Prince of Peace can bring people together whose lives ordinarily would never intersect whose paths ordinarily would never cross. In fact, people who are separated by socioeconomic divisions and by racial boundaries and by all kinds of separations. And it's a powerful reminder of what our world needs right now. 
when I look at what's going on in our world and I think about the conflict in the Middle East and the tragedy of the war that's playing out between Israel and the Palestinians, I'm reminded of how desperately our world needs Jesus and how our world needs the peace that only Jesus can bring and how our world needs to come together around the person of Jesus so that we can be united and so that we can brought, be brought together as one. And it's kind of like the Paul, the apostle says in Galatians, um, you know, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither fa- male nor female. We are all one in Christ. There is a beautiful unity and a harmony that is found when people of diversity gather around the Prince of Peace, the person of Jesus. And boy, if our world needs anything right now, it needs the peace that only Jesus can give. But I also love this story because in this story, we see the wise men, the Magi, finding Jesus, even though they weren't searching for Jesus. Now, I know, like on one level, they they are looking for the king of the Jews, right? They are searching for a baby boy that they believe will be kind of born to be the ruler of the Jews. But they had no idea that that baby would be Jesus. They had no idea that that king would be Jesus. And I love that because the truth of the matter is there are not many people who are searching for Jesus. The truth of the matter is most people these days are searching for something quite other than Jesus. People may be searching for hope or they may be searching for peace. They may be searching for significance or meaning or purpose. They could be searching for a sense of belonging or connection and community and relationship. Uh, They could be searching for some kind of relief or release from their, their worry or their anxiety. But there's not a whole lot of people out there searching for Jesus. And yet very often it's in our search for these other things that we find ourselves surprisingly and unexpectedly presented with Jesus. And it's when we do that, we discover Jesus is always more than we are searching for. And Jesus ultimately holds the key to what it is we are searching for. That was true for the wise men, and it's true for you, and it's true for me. And so I love the fact that these wise men come looking for the king of the Jews, and they find the king of the universe. They come looking for a baby Hebrew boy, and they find God incarnate. I love that because it's a reminder to you and to me today that Jesus is always more than we are searching for. And Jesus always holds the key to what we are searching for. And so these Magi find Jesus after this long search and they come face to face with him and they respond to him in the most beautiful and the most wonderful way. And I sense that their response is somewhat instructive for us this morning because there's something in their response that I believe God would have us see and know and understand. Something that God would have us emulate in our response to the person of Jesus. So let's take a moment to read about their encounter with Jesus in Matthew chapter 2. This is Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus. And reading from verse 1, this is the arrival of the Magi. So it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. After they met with King Herod, the Magi went on their way, and the star they had seen went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child Jesus with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they presented their treasures to him, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. 
All right, so here we have the Magi, finally at the end of their long search, arriving at the place where Jesus was and encountering Jesus for the very first time. And there's something significant and important about their response this morning because I sense that this is how God would have us respond when we are presented with the person of Jesus. And so there are three observations that I want to make from this little passage of Scripture that we've just read together. The first is this, and it's that I believe that the story of the Magi invites us, dare I say, compels us to give God what is most valuable to Him, and that is the gift of our worship. The best thing that you can do when you come face to face with God incarnate, with Emmanuel, God with us, with the person of Jesus, is to give God what is most valuable to Him, and that is the gift of our worship, the gift of our affection, our adoration, our devotion, and our submission. Notice in Matthew 2 verse 10, it says, On coming to the house, they saw the child Jesus with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Friends, in all your gift giving this Christmas, the greatest gift that you are going to give is the gift that you give God. And yes, God does want something from you this Christmas. So I hope he's on your list. (laughs) In all you're giving this Christmas, the greatest gift that you are going to give is the gift that you give God. And what is it that God wants from you this Christmas? He wants your worship. He wants your adoration. He wants your love. He wants your affection. In a word, he wants you. He wants your heart. And the reason why God wants our worship is not because God is insecure. God doesn't have some kind of emotional deficit He's not an egotistical maniac who's kind of desperate for our attention. God is entirely secure and sufficient in and of himself. But God wants our worship and our adoration and our affection and our devotion and our love because he loves us. Because he longs for that love to be reciprocated. As somebody once said, true love seeks not to possess but to be possessed. Meaning that when you truly love someone, all your heart really desires is for that love to be returned. When you truly and deeply love someone, the longing of your heart is for that love to be reciprocated. And you will know if you've ever had the unpleasant experience of unrequited love, that one of the most painful things you can experience is when you love someone and they don't love you in return. That is so hard for the heart. And the reason why God so longs for your love is because He loves you so deeply and so profoundly, more than you could possibly comprehend or imagine. And so God longs for our worship and he longs for our adoration. He longs for the reciprocation of our love. And I believe that God calls us to worship and invites us to worship because God also knows that our worship changes us. Our worship is ultimately not for his benefit. It's ultimately for our benefit because God knows that we become like that which we worship. Whatever it is you give your devotion and your affection to is going to profoundly and deeply shape you. It's going to mold you and it's going to make you. Whatever it is in life or whoever it is in life that you give your devotion and your attention and your affection to is ultimately going to shape how you see the world, how you feel about the world, what you value, what you prioritize. And so God knows that when we worship Him, we become like Him. When we worship Him, we reflect the beauty and the humility and the wonder and the goodness and the kindness that is intrinsically inherent in his character. And so God invites us into that place of worship. And friends, can I encourage you this Christmas, in the middle of all the busyness and all the craziness, and let's admit it, this is a busy, a busy and a crazy season, right? 
in all the feasting and the festivity and the fun and all the shopping and the cooking and the playing and the activity that you're going to undertake in the next week, can I encourage you somewhere, whether it's Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or somewhere before then, find somewhere still and quiet and sacred and like the Magi, take a moment to bow your heart and bow your life before Jesus and give Him your affection, give Him your love, give Him your adoration, give Him the recognition He deserves, give Him the acknowledgement that He is worthy of as the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. So the best thing you can possibly do when you come face to face with the person of Jesus is to give Him what is most valuable to Him, and that is the gift of your worship. Then secondly, I reckon that this story of the Magi compels us to give God what is most valuable to you. And by that I mean the gift of your treasure. I reckon that the best thing you can possibly do when you come face to face with the person of Jesus, God incarnate, Emmanuel God with us, is to give Him what is most valuable to you, the gift of your treasure. Matthew 2 verse 11 says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped Him. Then they presented their treasures to him, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. As I read that this week, again, I was so captivated by that statement. They presented their treasures to him. I find it so significant that these magi understood that in order to honor Jesus appropriately, it would take more than word, that they would need to open their hearts and lives and take what was most valuable and precious to them and submit it and surrender it to the person of Jesus in a very personal and a very practical way. And the truth of the matter is we all have treasure. We all have things that we value. There are things that are important to us, things that are significant to us, things that we hold in high regard, things that we prize deeply. And the question this morning is, what is it for you? Like, what would be your treasure? What do you value most? Is it your time? Is it your energy? Is it your body? Is it your money? Is it your family? Is it your career? Is it your business? Like what do you give the ultimate value to? What is most important to you? What gets the best of your time and the best of your energy? Where does that value lie? What would constitute your treasure this morning? And the question is, would you be willing to lay that treasure down and to present it to Jesus in submission and surrender to Him? Would you open your heart and your treasure to Him and give Him what is most valuable to you? And again, not because Jesus needs it and not because Jesus demands it. But friends, when you give what is valuable to you to somebody else, what you are doing is you are affirming the value that you ascribe to them. If I take something that is precious to me and valuable to me and I give it to you, what I am saying to you is you are more valuable to me than this thing that I consider a treasure. You are more important. You are more valuable than the thing that I value most. Right? And, and, and so when you give Jesus the best and the first of your time, and you give Jesus the best and the first of your energy, and you give Jesus the best and the first of your money, and you give Jesus the best and the first of your material wealth, or whatever it is that constitutes your treasure, you are saying to him, Jesus, you are more important to me than this. Jesus, you are more valuable to me than this. And so, friends, can I encourage you in this Christmas season to consider what you value most highly and to bring it and to lay it down and submit it and surrender it to the person of Jesus and allow Him to receive it 
and transform it. And of course, it was Jesus who said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, what Jesus is saying is what you do with your treasure not only reveals the affection of your heart, it actually shapes the affection of your heart. While it's absolutely true for us to say that we give because we love, it's equally true to say that we, we love because we give. Right? If you want to deepen your affection for someone or your connection to someone, just give what is most valuable to you to that someone and watch your affection grow. Right? What you do with your treasure not only reveals the affection of your heart, it shapes the affection of your heart. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I reckon the best and most appropriate thing you can do when you come face to face with the person of Jesus is to give to him what is most valuable to you, the gift of your treasure. Amen. And then thirdly and finally, the last thing that I reckon, the story of the Magi is encouraging us to do is not only to give to God what is most valuable to him and most valuable to us, but to receive from God what is most valuable to him and to us. And by that, I mean the gift of his son, Jesus. The best and most appropriate thing you can do in this moment as you are presented with the reality of the person of Jesus is receive from God what is most valuable to him and most valuable to us, the gift of his son, Jesus. And the truth of the matter is, if Christmas is about anything, it's about the greatest gift ever given. It's about the gift of God in the person of Jesus. And just a few days from now, we're all going to be giving and receiving gifts. I hope that you receive some great gifts. I hope that some of those gifts are thoughtful and enjoyable and memorable. Of course, some of them are going to go straight into the re-gift pile. You'll wrap them up and you'll pass them on to your friends. Like, you know, that's the nature of the game. But I hope that you are on the receiving end of some incredible gifts. But friends, no matter what you receive this Christmas, nothing is ever going to equate to or compare with the gift of God in the person of Jesus. And that is what Christmas is all about. God offering humankind a gift, the gift of his mercy, the gift of his grace, the gift of his friendship, the gift of his love, the gift of his kindness, but it's all wrapped up in the person of Jesus. And if you receive the gift, you receive the giver of the gift. That's why the single most important question that any human heart can ask or answer is what have you done with the gift of God in the person of Jesus? Have you received it? Have you accepted it? Have you embraced it? Right? Because how you receive him is going to determine how you receive from him. So have you received the gift of Jesus? And that's why Jesus himself said in John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God except through me. I know some people read that and they, they say, well, that's a, that's a pretty strong statement, Jesus. That's, a, that's an exclusive kind of thing to say. No man comes to God except through me. But friends, that's not a statement of exclusivity. That is a statement of inclusivity. Because Jesus is saying, no one can come to God except through me, but everyone can come. There is no one disqualified. The door stands open to all. This gift is for everybody. It's not for a select few. It's not for a particular demographic. It's not for a certain ethnic group. This gift is for everybody so everybody can come and everybody can know God what an incredible gift and friends it may just be that today you like the Magi for the first time are coming face to face with the reality of the person of Jesus 
in the sense that Jesus is revealing himself to you right now in this moment. And it's possible that you, like the Magi, have never had the opportunity to bow your life before Jesus, to submit and surrender to Jesus, to worship Jesus, and to open your life and your heart and your treasure to Jesus. And in just a moment, we're going to pray together, as is our custom here at the Rocks. We're going to pray a prayer of benediction over you. We're going to pray God's blessing on you. We're going to trust God for His grace and His peace and His joy to fill your lives over the course of this next week. We're going to ask God to protect and provide and to lead and guide. But before we do that, this morning I want to just pray a very special prayer. A prayer of submission and surrender. A personal prayer of worship and adoration. And I'm going to invite you this morning, if you have never opened your heart to the gift of God in Jesus, if you have never submitted and surrendered your life to Him, if you've never received Him as your Lord, your Savior, your leader, and your God, then I'm going to invite you in this moment to just simply echo this prayer. In the quietness of your own heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can just pray it inside the sanctuary of your own heart. But I'm going to invite you this morning to reach out to Him and to lay your life before Him. And this Christmas, receive the greatest gift you will ever receive. So all across this auditorium, if you're comfortable doing so, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And for those of you joining online, feel free to lean into this moment and share in it with us. And if you today are reaching out to God, and you're bringing yourself and submitting and surrendering yourself and opening your heart to the gift of Jesus, I want you just simply to pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I open my heart to you. I want to thank you for the gift that you are and for the gift that you give. And today, I say yes. I say yes to all that you are all that you have and all that you give. And Jesus, I give you my heart and my life. All that I am and all that I have, I submit and I surrender to you. And in exchange, Jesus, I receive your mercy, your grace, your goodness, your kindness, and your forgiveness. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to lead me from this moment onwards into the plans and the intentions and the purposes that you have for me. I ask you, Jesus, to guide me and to lead me by your Spirit. Help me to love you, to serve you, and to be faithful to you from this day onward until we meet face to face. And I ask all of these things in your precious, wonderful name. Amen. Now, Father, we thank you this morning for every single person who's prayed that prayer with humility and sincerity in their heart. And we pray that you would envelop them in your love right now and that you would give them the assurance that you are for them and with them and that you love them. And that from this moment on, life will never be the same again because you are gonna lead them into a deepening, growing understanding of who you are and who they are in you. 
Father, we pray your richest blessing upon them and for everyone else seated here today and everyone listening online. Father, we ask for your protection and your providence to be our portion. We ask, God, that you would bless every home, every family, every gathering, every celebration. We pray that in all our activity this Christmas season, the name of Jesus would be lifted up and glorified, that all might see him and know him for who he truly is. And we ask this in his precious, wonderful name. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit therocks.church.